Hello there, podcast listeners. Just to give you a bit of a heads up before today's episode, we've had a bit of a gimmick change. Going forward from today, we're no longer going to be known as Canned Heat. We're going forward as the Fabulous Heel Nerds Wrestling Podcast. And as well as the Arameta Network, we're going to be on Anchor, Spotify, Radio Public, Breaker, Google Podcasts, and Pocket Casts. Thank you very much for listening, and let's get on with today's show. This is the Fabulous Heel Nerds Wrestling Podcast. Yes, yes, y'all. How's it going? You are here once again with no longer the Canned Heat Podcast, but the Fabulous Heel Nerds Wrestling Podcast. Uh, We're mixing it up. We've got this gimmick change, but we're still going to be the same old lovable assholes we've always been. New gimmick, same old shtick. Same same old shit, basically. Yeah, just uh, revamp it, brother. You got to, you know. You got to freshen up once in a while. Got to keep relevant, aren't you? We're yeah. the Chris Jericho of brand new wrestling podcasts. We are constantly changing. The Madonna of wrestling podcasts, some if, might say. Some might say. Our last episode, if you listened, was our throwback show, our retrospective, now known as... Uh, hindsight 2020, because that's... Um... A phrase used a lot, I find, in wrestling podcasting. Hindsight is apparently 2020. Meaning when you look back on something, you can see it a lot more clearly. Which uh... Everyone knows what hindsight 2020 means, I'm pretty sure. But yeah, so our last one, hindsight 2020, was Bash at the Beach 1996, the day that Hulk Hogan turned heel. And today, (sighs) we're following up with the Nitro that was directly after that. Mm -hmm. 6th of July 1996, episode of Nitro. We're going to be doing a little bit of a deep dive and reviewing that show. Yeah, episode 43 only. The 43rd ever episode of uh, of Nitro. It has a really cool look to it. Like, um, it was at MGM Disney Studios. Is that something you liked? It's something I really felt t- took away from it. You felt took away from it in what sense? I thought it gave it... on. Te- you didn't think that gave it a really cool look on telly. It being outdoors did, but one thing... With this one that I found was really, really strange. It's a small crowd, obviously. It's a small crowd, and I would say about 80% of them don't look like wrestling fans. And about 80% of them just kind of look like they were put there because they were at the Disney uh, Studios. At Disneyland, yeah. Yeah. So I thought it was kind of weird. And they had that weird thing where they've got the crowd set up in these, like, sort of... Bleach, like bleachers. Like bleachers. It? Yeah. And then the front row, which is, like, a disability row. Yeah, no, I did notice that. You've got, like, old days and, like, people in wheelchairs. Is, and... Yeah, that's the front row, which is fine. But there's no barricade between them and the ring. It's just them... No, they're just the, sat there. ...the floor yeah. and just yeah. sat there. And I thought it was a... Strange, strange dy- dynamic to see in a Well, that was show. probably a, a health and safety and a like a fire safety thing, wasn't it? Probably, yeah, I imagine mate? so. It was just kind of uh, interesting to see. I found it but a little bit odd. I like the way it looked on telly. I thought it gave it like um, a real, almost sort of cinematic sports look to it. I like. I, I thought. I mean, you 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 I mean, weren't a fan of it. Obviously, it's a very very. Different I was a fan of it. Raw, be- for example, I was a fan of it being outdoors, and I like the fact that it looked different because I always yeah. like stuff that looks different. And everyone knows that all the best wrestling events are outdoors. When, are they? Are they? when WrestleManias are outdoors, it always gives it that extra extra bit of spectacle. It always looks a bit more sort of grand, in my opinion. Mm, I, um... It's, SummerSlam, a, when SummerSlam was at Wembley in London. Oh, that, it was outdoors. that looks amazing, but um, you lose a lot of the sound outdoors, though. Yeah, well, not when you're watching it on TV. 
Well, this is true. Yeah. This so, is true. Okay, yeah, fair, fair so point, mate, fair point. My only issue with it was the fact that the crowd did not look like wrestling fans. And I'm not just saying that. Some of you are going to be like, oh, you all know that because you heard them say that they used to just get people who were in that were at Disney. Well, that's... Disney every, every, a lot of people do know that, yeah. Uh, a lot of people know that, and I do know that, but just the look of it was really strange. Coming off the, the night before when... We mentioned last week, you can see guys with like ECW shirts and stuff on. Yeah. And people going for it and people cheering. Like, there's people like just, just look half interested. And there's like, when stuff happens, and if you look at the crowd, there's maybe a smattering of people that are like cheering and applauding. The attendance was only something like 600. Yeah, it looked really small. Yeah. But I thought it looked good on telly. Just my opinion. Yeah, so it starts the show. You've got Larry Zabisco and Tony Schiavone are sort of opening up the show, recapping the night's events. They're shocked and disgusted at the treacherous Hulk Hogan for turning his back Larry on everyone. Larry Zabisco constantly refers to Hulk Hogan as unmanly throughout the entire first hour of the show. I don't yeah. know if you noticed. I didn't notice that, but he's got it's an air of constant disgust with him, and how could he do this? And he was very unmanly about it, which seems to be the height of offence for uh, a <laughs> macho man like uh, the living legend Larry Zabisco. Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, there was like there was like shots. There were pictures, weren't they? Like it was. They didn't. I don't know if they didn't have the pay per view like footage that they could use for a recap. But they only showed it was during that era where they used to show stills, didn't they? Yeah, they was... show still images of what happened and then just like voice over the top of it. Yeah, so they were voicing over the still image, still images of everything that happened, and just basically. I mean, I wonder why they did that. Um, I'm assuming it's something to do with it. They didn't have the rights to the pay per view to show on that network yet, or something along those Probably. lines. Or the net, t- the network TN- didn't have the right. TNT, it was on, wasn't it? Yeah, or the yeah. network didn't have the um, permissions yet to play them from the pay per view. I mean, it was literally the following night, wasn't it? So. Yeah, so it was literally the following night. Um, but it's sort of they were laying the groundwork for that this new world order. Not New World Organization, Hulk Hogan. This New World Order was really the anti-WCW, that they were here to destroy everything that was WCW and setting up the whole angle of the NWO taking over. Mm -hmm. And right after that, we had our first match, which was Rey Mysterio Jr. Mm -hmm. versus Dean Malenko Malenko for the WCW Cruiserweight Championship. Now, this was a cracking opening match. This This was arguably the best match on the entire show. This match was unbelievable. No, it was. It was an yeah, absolute like, cracker. Yeah, you've got like the pace was like the pace that they kept. Like the cruiserweight match the night previous between Disco and Di Malenko, I mentioned it being relatively methodical. Whereas this, not that they weren't methodical, but like they were, they, they were clearly it was a match for television. Yeah, this like had... they were working fast and they got all that shit in and they were so athletic. This could have this could have easily been a um, a pay per view match. Easily been this could have easily been the the match of cracking that, that Dean Malenko get, yeah. set the tones. So, this could have been the so match well. that Dean Malenko had the night before, you know, and been ten times better than that one. Not taken away from Disco Inferno, mm-hmm. but just it was absolutely mind blowing. Probably and, because it was four telly. Sorry to harp on about this. Like, do you know how long the match was? I don't know. Seven minutes, 55 seconds. And they got a lot of shit in, in fucking eight minutes. Yeah, well, one thing I did notice, which was probably the um, one of the reasons why it was so good, is when you see Rey Mysterio from a modern fan's perspective, or even, like, say, I grew up watching Rey Mysterio, but you remember him from the his latest run, 
generally. Mm-hmm. You know, you, that's what you think of first is his latest run. Yeah. But in this, you really see his repertoire of moves was huge. Yeah. In seven minutes, he's jammed in more moves than he did in probably the last 10 years of his career. And my error, sorry, it was 12 minutes day. 12 I, minutes I, day. I, I, I misread that. But that that's... Um, they got so much in there. Like I said, the variety of moves that they got in. It was really impressive. And it was... They were methodical about it. Like, they did... Um, take a little bit of a rest hold where they went into what would have been an ad break, which was quite interesting because um, yeah. obviously they've timed that up perfectly. And uh, yeah, it was it was awesome. Uh, the finish, so Rey Mysterio misses a springboard moonsault to the outside yeah. and absolutely eats shit because yeah. he just he just does not get caught by Di Malenko at all. Enough. Oh, that was that was the only shame about that match. Like he he just he just missed him. T- he probably caught him with a fingertip. Yeah, Malenko still bumped though. He still bumped for him, didn't he? Yeah, he still took a little bit of a bump, even though you could see that he completely missed him. Yeah, he did. He did eat um, shit on that one. And it do, it did seem like a little bit of a. Um, one because Malenko obviously took a bit of a bump and then two they immediately got up and went back to the end sequence which finished on Rey Mysterio winning with a Hurricanrana top rope Hurricanrana yeah which yeah. was it was awesome and a title change obviously yeah and title change and a really big one as well It was well, uh, like, this, this must be Rey's first big um, sort of US push yeah really yeah and this is the time as well we mentioned it yesterday yesterday we mentioned it uh, last time with psychosis and Rey Mysterio, yeah, and this is the time that those that Mexican style wrestling was really being brought in and had a huge influence on American style wrestling, yeah, and um, yeah, Dean Malenko and uh, Rey Mysterio, that was just the type of match you could imagine seeing in Mexico and really different yeah. for 1996, definitely. Oh, it, it, that was the kind of wrestling I I still love to this day. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. So after that, we had. Nasty Boys and the Steiner Brothers an interview, sort of setting up their setting up their match for later on. Um, in every single interview, which I th- find interesting, and I know obviously they're pushing the whole you know Hulk Hogan's a bastard thing. Mm-hmm. In every single interview, it's mentioned. Yeah, and someone has a yeah. perspective on it, and even the heels are saying like you know what a bastard he is, and all this sort of stuff. And I find that I found that a bit odd. That immediately they're not siding in with any allies, which you can see a sort of maybe that they're really trying to set up that NWO is anti uh, anti WCW. Yeah, that's what they're running that thread <clears throat> that basically they are invaders yeah. and that they are not want not wanted basically not they're welcome. unwelcome guests, so yeah. to speak. But it also sets up a precedent for what we know later on is they really wanted to have a mystery about who exactly was going to be joining the NWO. Yes. And when yes. people did turn to the NWO, it was like a major turn. Yes. And a major disgrace, if you like, and betrayal. Yes, yes, very much so, very much so. Which obviously that, that thread runs throughout the, the through the entire show, doesn't it? Yeah. Which is, um, uh... The other takeaway I got from this interview is through these... Uh, these series we've been doing because um, we've now watched the Bash at the Beach 96, the first Nitro afterwards and the Nitro after that and I've watched all three of them and the Steiner brothers are becoming probably one of my favourite tag teams like Rick Steiner's promos are just awesome oh yeah it's constant barking barking. yeah unreal another one who reminds me of um, my my, my, my mate's dad he's no longer with us anymore but he looked just like my mate's dad Rick Rick Steiner the dog faced gremlin bit of a brute yeah yeah very very much so but like um, Scotty was kind of in in the middle of his like 
in the middle or at the, the start of probably a bit of an image change. Because you can see he was starting to like lose his hair because he's still got like a long, long mullet-esque thingy, but he's like very receding at the front. Yeah. So like, and he still wore them kind of like, uh, like luminous, multicolored like spandex. Obviously, he's a goddamn giant. Yeah. But like he was starting to harden his look up a little bit. I feel like he's got to be cutting his hair soon after that because like the, the receding hair didn't, didn't do it for him. So I reckon he was just starting to think I need to look a little bit harder. Yeah. And it was, he, he did go, Scott Steiner did go through probably one of the most drastic image changes in WCW yeah. because the way he looked towards the end of EC, uh, Jesus Christ, what am I saying today? The way he looked towards the end of WCW to where he looked here is was just completely different. Oh, hell yeah. Like, it's it just almost unrecognizable. Um, yeah, so I really enjoyed this interview. Um, I like the Nasty Boys. Steiner Brothers are becoming probably my favorite tag team, you know, in these series that we're watching. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, great interview. And then after that, we had a advert or a small promo for... A vignette for... A vignette for... Glacier. Glacier is an incoming wrestler coming soon Ooh, to WCW. Who could Glacier be? Watch this space. So I've got some information about Glacier. Oh, you, you're giving it away already? Go on. Yeah, so he was originally supposed to debut the night before. but oh, that, at Bash at the Beach. At Bash at the Beach, but that got pushed back, and he didn't actually properly debut until September. Right. Okay. His gimmick, if you don't know who Glacier is, was basically Sub-Zero from yeah, Mortal Kombat. Yeah, I, I remember ever so slightly. Yeah, it's like yeah. Sub-Zero from Mortal Kombat, yeah. Yeah, and they pushed it back. And my theory about why he maybe didn't do so well, because he ended up being essentially a mid-carder, yeah. is because they pushed it back f- way back from when Mortal Kombat had actually been in theatres. You know, m- yeah. m- months had passed, so that sort of gimmick was a bit like, oh yeah, that movie that was out last and summer. They were, and they're starting to move away from that more cartoony wrestling aren't they move into more yeah, so reality the, based storylines yeah so they had him scheduled to debut at that bash of the beach but then they completely u-turned and you know st- took this like reality tv style storyline with the nwo coming in and then when he did join he didn't really fit in but um what is interesting as well again the money that wcw had at the time so glacier when he did eventually debut his entrance was the most expensive entrance at the time I've seen that. He's it, like he's like shooting dry ice and shit, isn't he? Yeah, cost them roughly half a million dollars. Fucking hell. Yeah. For one entrance for from one, some guy who ended up being a mid carder. Lasers and synthetic snow and stuff like that. They've got a big rudge in for yeah. that. <laughs> the fact that he wasn't even any good. His ring gear, which in my opinion didn't look that good, certainly doesn't look like it was this expensive. Yeah. Um, which was, you know, just as we said, a sub-zero kind of rip-off. Cost them $35,000 to make. Wow. Which is nuts. Wow. It was custom made for him. So that's half a million dollars on Somebody his entrance. Probably didn't make him a bean. $35,000 for his ring gear. Wow. And yeah, didn't really do that much for them. Watch this space. But Glacier. again, you say he, you could say, you know, he's the one that's not made that much money for them. Essentially, he was wrong place, wrong time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not, I mean, I don't even, don't suppose you found out who the bloke was? I didn't know. Did you? Nah, mate. <laughs> oh, well. we we'll let you know when then. we find out. We'll find out. Just Glacier, you're looking yeah. first to be known as. I mean, they've through this series that we're doing, they're going to be advertising him again and again, so we can bring it up again at some we point. We can bring it up again. It's fine. It's fine. Next after that, we had the Blue Bloods, which is yeah. Stephen Regal. And uh, Squire Dave Taylor. Yeah, Stephen Regal. Lord, Lord Stephen Regal and Squire Dave Taylor. Lord Stephen Regal, if you don't know, would 
go on to become William Regal in yeah. WWE. Yeah. Um, versus the Dungeons of Doom. Um, I don't actually have noted down who's in the Dungeons of Doom. Is Bob? Uh, well, it's probably the, they were part of the Dungeon of Doom. Um, it's uh, Hugh Morris, who was um, Bill Demott, former disgraced NXT trainer. Yeah. And uh, Big Bubba, Big Bubba Rogers, Big Boss Man, our big friend, two big men. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Hugh, Hugh Morris and uh, Big Bubba against the Blue Bloods, Squire Day Taylor and Lord Stephen Regal. Yeah, it was an interesting match. Um, you got the Blue Bloods working heel. Being How can you not crack up Regal just um, gurning at everything, walking yeah. around like a ponce with his hand behind his back, and he's just got that sort of, sort of like effeminate grimace, sort of turn his nose up, sort of grimace. <clears throat> Uh, like he's a very, obviously he was well known throughout his entire career for his facial expressions, and they were just on point on yeah, this. It was com- kind of very much that sort of upper class sneer, like you could literally see him turning his nose up. Yeah, that he had to associate with these commoners. Yeah, really made me. Yeah, it, it really made me laugh. Another note that I took from this is the chant. The the crowd were chanting USA, um, being against the Blue Bloods who were clearly English in yeah. this. Um, this is the time that the cha- the crowd chanted USA correctly. The night before Bash at the Beach, they were chanting USA, USA at DDP in support of Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Mm-hmm. DDP is from New Jersey, so he's also from the USA. So I don't get how the crowd chanting USA, USA at DDP would have really riled him up that much. Uh, I think it's just what they chanted at Hacksaw. I don't think it was necessarily against... Oh, I just remember DDP sort of reacting to it a bit, flinging his hair around and being all hokey whenever they were chanting. Uh, I mean, probably, but that was something from way back in WF in the 80s that they always did for um, Hacksaw, wasn't it? Yeah. So shut up, Scott. Okay. So Blue Bloods <laughs> get the win. Crowd, you know, are probably being told to chant USA by some sort of monitor somewhere. Uh, yeah, so uh, I believe um, your half, half skullet, shaved-headed, Big fat weirdo John Tenter comes out again for the distraction. Obviously, he was involved in the match with Bubba the night previous at Bash of the Beach. Uh, and due to distraction, then the, the Blue Bloods do like a double team for the win, don't they? Yeah. So classic, classic healing. They do something snidey and double team. A lot, of no dis- lucky. a lot of distractions in this era of WCW, I find. A lot of like sort of fucked up finishes. Yeah. A lot of not real, not real clean finishes. A lot. Of no, it's stuff more going to serve on. the story than to serve the characters themselves. The characters were kind of caricaturish. Yeah. So the the, the the screwy ones were more to to serve the stories, perhaps, than to actually serve the characters. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, these are heels. These do bad things. They win bad way. They, I understand. They, they win in bad way. I understand that. I just don't see why it's not possible to have a clean finish, but then also serve. Well, the story. they did. Ray won clean. Yeah, well, yeah, in that match, yeah, I suppose Ray, Ray, Ray did win clean. Oh, yeah. why they can't have more clean finishes to serve the story. You know, it just well, seems... it worked all right for him, though, didn't it? It like... works, it does work all right, and it's just a mild observation more than the criticism that it was a sort of a thing they'd fall back on of, like, you know, how do we get this guy involved in the match? Oh, a screwy finish. Yeah. 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 Um, so after that, we have Psychosis versus Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, again, really good match. I don't think I quite enjoyed this one as much as Dean Malenko, Rey Mysterio. Um, but well, they wouldn't, they wouldn't give them that spot to potentially work as hard. Yeah. You know what I mean? They couldn't have two of those kind of matches on the same show. Oh, they could, but it's unlikely to be done. Yeah, true. 
Um, some notes from this. They did the split screen thing that we were talking about on yeah. the last podcast where they split the screen in two to show you some action and then something else. But it's kind of weirdly distracting because they have it like set upon a graphic and you can't see it that well. Even on you know my massive TV, you couldn't really see it that well. And they split screen this time to show Rey Mysterio expressing his disappointment in Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Uh, proper proper baby face. Yeah. Stuff, but you can be- you can barely bloody hear him anyway. From yeah, he's I got remember. a really soft voice. Yeah, no, he has got a really soft voice, and obviously you've got Mike, um, excuse me, um, Tony Schiavone and um, Larry Larry Zabisco just like talking over talking him. over him as well. Yeah. So some insight into the production of WCW, which they'd become famously known for being very slack on, uh, shown here by the fact that they uh, were just talking over Rey Mysterio when he's supposed to be yeah. doing like a little vignette. And at some point, at one point, I think it's Shivani um, says something about I think it was psychosis. It's something like, "God, what's keeping this guy going?" And uh, Larry's the best girl says, uh, "Jalapenos." Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Once again, more of that uh, that their casual racism that was so popular. It, uh, it was popular at the time, apparently. Yeah. My other note from this is again a callback to the last episode where we were talking about wrestling barnets. Yeah. The do on psychosis. Jesus Christ. That's not his real hair. Is it not? Of course it's not his fucking real hair. Oh. That's like the most that would be the most ridiculous hair in the world. It's like a Tina Turner wig. My note here says that he looks like he should be called Sharon and wear those big oversized plastic glasses that all women were women wore. He's 80s. got hair like Bulk Selector Mel B. You thought it was real hair? Yeah. No, that's part of his mask, obviously. Oh, with the horns see. and whatnot. See, you get clued up every day. That is, it's really massive. It's, I know, that's... it's clearly horse hair or something. Yeah, as I thought he looked like he was from, you know, 1980s, like, Rotherham or somewhere. <laughs> right, yeah. Worked in a cafe and went to the hair salon three times feather. a week. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was, that was part of his mask, mate. Okay. So, Eddie Guerrero gets the win with a frog splash. Yep. The classic Eddie Guerrero frog, frog splash always looked amazing. No exception. Always, to, always uh, landed hard, didn't yeah, he? <laughs> always landed really hard, and uh, yeah, brilliant match. Maybe didn't match up to quite the standard of um, Dean Malenko Rey Mysterio in the first match, but as you say, they that was a title change. Yeah, title change, and they're not necessarily going to have two matches of that caliber on the same card. No, but they are. They're ready in the spot, though, aren't they? I mean, it's, well, I mean, it's ready. It's Eddie fucking Guerrero. You know, you know, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No one's gonna. No one's gonna sort of say, right, you're not on the show because we've got Dean Malenko, Rey Mysterio on. Not to Eddie Guerrero. They're gonna say, well, you're on the show, but you yeah. don't have as long. Yeah, and he still impresses every yeah. time. After that, we had uh, Giant Kevin Sullivan and Jimmy Hart doing an interview with Mean Gene yet again, talking about the heel turn. Yep. Um, really threading that. New, they mentioned New World Order several times, didn't they? Like, yeah. They're really... Kind of jumping all over the place a bit here as well, because it was kind of like they've been told, right, you've got to talk about New World Order, you've got to talk about the keel change. And they talk about their own storyline as well. Talk about your own storyline. But they're kind of jumping in between, like they're turning to, like, uh, Sylvan quickly turns and starts talking about Chris Benoit, but it just seems all a bit confused. I got a bit like, what the hell is he actually banging on about here? Well, they didn't know themselves half the time. Um, you know, listening uh, to uh, Tony Schiavone on the Edge and Christian podcast, as I was doing on the way here. Like, most of the time, there was there was no writing in WCW back then. Yeah, it was just... They were just given a this. microphone and a live camera and go out and say your shit. Yeah. So, half the times, it was 
bollocks and blabbering like I'm doing right now, to be fair. Like, but... well, yeah, you know, that's what a podcast is for. Yeah, mate. But like, there was a lot of um, here, there, and everywhere. They didn't seem entirely. Yeah, I mean, sure. What points they were supposed to be hitting? I mean, they got most of it out, and it kind of made sense. It kind of finishes with Giant saying, "As long as he's champion, you don't have to worry about Hogan because he beat him previously." Yeah, the October previous to become champion. Yeah, um, and then mentions as well that because he's champion, it means he doesn't have to wrestle tonight. And it's uh, yeah, it was just a weird point to make. I found I found that this whole interview set they were shoehorning that shit in. Basically. Yeah, really all over the place. Next up, we had the uh, Nasty Boys versus Steiner Brothers match. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a good match again. Like they work, both teams here work so stiff. Spire like the nasties. Yeah, to, to be just fair, completely like completely laying it in. And it's if you like that sort of wrestling, which I really do, is it was entertaining to behold. Yeah. Did the nasties? Ever, I mean, no, they, they won't have done because it was different areas. But I would have liked to have seen the nasties versus the acolytes. That would have been. Violent, yeah, that would have been really, really violent. <laughs> I'm not sure if that match ever existed. I, like I say, I don't think it did. I mean, as far as far as I know, like they were for nasties were in TNA a little bit, I think perhaps, and obviously WCW, and then they were kind of elder statesmen by the time. Like, but I don't think they they, they never came into uh, WWE after their purchase, did they? No, no, they probably just went their own way. Yeah. But it was a, again a great match. You got um, Rick Steiner doing some like weird like bulldog stuff um, between Scott Steiner's legs. That really made me laugh. When, he did you know, what? Sorry. So he go at one point he goes onto his knees between Scott Steiner's legs mm-hmm. and is like sort of calling around like he's an actual pit bull or something. <laughs> and, uh, that really sort of made me chuckle. And again, cementing the fact that they're becoming my favorite tag team of this little era we're looking at. Then we have Sister Sherry and Colonel Parker uh, do a interference. I was a bit confused. I'm sure storyline's going to sort of map out where we're going with this. I was a little bit confused by this. With Sister Sherry being associated with Harlem Heat. Yeah. Um I was a bit I was a bit confused as to why the hell she was here. But yeah, they have an interference and Steiner's end up with the win. Yeah. Yeah, halfway through this match, do you, do you notice that the thing that they did they used to do on Nitro, they used to have to count down to hour 2. Yeah, that really that re- that was weird. I didn't know what the fuck was going on at first. Yeah, there's like a like a little uh, stick of dynamite in yeah. the bottom corner from like fifty seconds, counting down to one. And obviously, they have a changeover to for the first hour. You had Tony Schiavone and Larry Zbysko. Yeah, and then they like they go to you know high above the bleachers. Yeah, they have at the start of the second hour. It's Eric Bischoff and Bobby the Brain Heenan. Yeah, in it. Yeah, I mean, so I don't know why they did that. Like, but it's just yeah, it was again another to get everybody on the show, I suppose. Yeah, to get everybody on, I, th- I think it was probably a good guess as to what it was, but it really confused me. I didn't know what it was happening at first until like, I was like, "Is the match over?" Cause because it's like, because the camera, the camera shot changes, and they like they like pan up to them sat high above the bleachers. Yeah, it was they, like, well, is the match still happening then? <laughs> no, the, the, yeah, because the weird thing is they don't necessarily time it so it happens in between matches. They just do it halfway through. It was a match, halfway like, through the match. Boom, yeah, there we go. Yeah, bizarre, bizarre. Um, then we have the post-match interview with the with, with the nasties, with the yeah. nasty boys. Um, they again sort of sticking in some spiel about um, Hogan and his heel turn, and they kind of side with him almost, don't they? Almost. He weirdly says. That he in by no way, no way condemns what Hulk Hogan did, but then also that he. There, what did he say? Like, um, 
Hulk Hogan doesn't give a damn what anybody thinks, just like the Nasty Boys used to. Yeah. Or something along those lines. Something along those lines. So it's kind of the first time we've seen someone siding with them, but not really. Because they're obviously, you know, the rebels, aren't they? The nasties. Yeah. The rebellious nasties. Hangs it in the air. Could they side with them? Who knows? Who knows? If they, well, going forward, hindsight being 2020, if they didn't, there would be some of the only people who didn't in the end. Mm. Everyone ended up joining the NWO in some form of another. After that, we had Jim Powers... Versus Ric Flair. Yes. And I found this really interesting because Jim Powers, I did a little bit of research, they were constantly referring to him this as a young man. He was 38 years of age. Yeah, he was 38. Um, <laughs> he'd also, at this point, wrestled for WWF, ECW, WCCW, and then that he was in WCW. Yeah. Uh, in WWF, he was the first person to lose to Ric Flair in 91 as well. So he's not exactly... A young athlete, is yeah. he? I mean, he's been around the block a bit. Yeah. I found it strange that they would sort of dismiss his career. Like well, that. it's different, different products, different, um, you know, different show, different company. So yeah, like... but they only seem to ever do that when it suits them, you know. And when it suits them to say what you know um, accolade someone's got, they're more than happy yeah. to list them. Well, that's literally the um, that's literally something that they're able to do, being the people who run the company. They can rewrite history if they're the ones. Right in the television, and it's you know what I mean. They can rewrite history if they want to, can't yeah. they? Yeah, that's even true. though he had a, a well tenured career, like yeah, I said, young Jim Powers at 38, he'd probably been working 15, 18 years at the time, you know what I yeah, mean? Been all over the place, yeah, worked for so many, he worked for more than the ones I listed as well. Those were just the, the big names that, yeah, uh, I found. So, yeah, he, he certainly wasn't a young athlete, he was a seasoned veteran. Um, so sorry, mate, go on. Next, 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 next match so, was. Oh, sorry, on. yeah. Go end on of that go. match. Flair wins with a figure four, whilst getting leverage from woman, who was there. Um, very interesting. I found that once again, WCW referees are idiots. Could not see the fact that woman was giving them leverage, even though his eyes were right there. Yeah. Now this was the first time in tonight that uh, woman seemed a bit. Uh, uh, not sorry that the refs seemed stupid, whereas in the pay-per-view the previous night, the refs just seemed to be, you know, oblivious to anything going on. Right. Which I know it's all kayfabe and, you know, it's supposed to be part of the story and yes, I'm supposed God. to shut myself off to things like that. But I couldn't help it. Like, ref, it's the same with a tapping thing. When someone's tapping and you're not going, they're tapping out, you're just letting it carry on. She was interfering, she's right there, yet somehow... By all of miracles, it. you can't she, see Yeah, it. exactly. I'm blind to this, yeah. Yeah. And uh, quite interesting to see, because Ric Flair was very famous for never really winning with the figure four, but he won with this. Granted, he didn't win clean, but mm-hmm. he did win with the figure four here. Usually, the figure four would then be reversed into something else. True, and true. Would... But no, he actually got the tap out, didn't he? Yeah. Poor Jim Powers. Looked over again. Uh, next thing we have is four horsemen interview. Um, again, talking about Hogan again, you know, every single interview they're talking about Hogan, mm-hmm. uh, even the heels are siding with, um, siding against NWO and siding. Sorry, mate, which, who's, who's this talking now? This is four, the four horsemen are out post-match flares there. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. 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 Go on. Paint the picture for me then. Flares there. Woman's there. The other women are there that I can't remember the names of. It's woman one, two, and three. Yeah, Flo- Flair's pouring them champagne, <laughs> um, which he kind of does just off to the side. Um, 
probably genuinely wanted a drink. Yeah, but he paused it for them. I thought he was there going to start chugging it, but he didn't. He was pouring it, and he was pouring it for the ladies there. Uh. And uh, yeah, and it was a fun Ric Flair sort of interview where he's doing about 20 woos over and over again. Mm-hmm. But it was good. Then after that, we have Eric Bush- Bischoff and Bobby the Brain Heenan up at their announcer's table. I found this very interesting. I found it interesting because the whole night before they were saying that Eric Bischoff is missing and no one know, knows where the hell oh, he is. Oh, I never even considered that. <laughs> what I found interesting was where... They the never addressed it, did they? No, it was, wait, where the hell have you been? That's the first thing I'd ask if we were so... It was just like, yo, Eric, we were really worried yesterday. Where the fuck were you? But no, just he's back. He's No, he's back and it's not mentioned. That's something I never even considered. Yeah, not even picked up on. That but, is interesting. What I found, What I found interesting is... What Bischoff, the the words that he's saying and the intent that they have, he starts mentioning things like we have, like we have, like we have the roster to fight now, or something like that, and we're not going away. He's like he's making direct, well indirect, he's making indirect comments about the WWF and the ratings war that they're starting to have. Yeah, he is, isn't he? He's sort of stirring the shit. He's starting to stir the shit proper. Yeah, he's starting to really stir it up. Um, and again, these what I find fascinating about going back and watching these at these ta- at this time is because when you watch documentaries or you watch recaps of things, you see all the obvious stuff. You see all the when they did this and when they did, you know, the year previously when you had Medusa been in the title and stuff like that. You see all those obvious things that have become famous. You don't get to see these little nuances of commentaries like, you know, when we said... Scott Hall, which he does again on this show, referring to Mean Gene as Scheme Gene. Yeah. And those little sort of subtle hints of blur in the lines and this has become a ratings war yeah. between two companies. And this is this is where they're being subtle. Down the line, they would get just bluntly open about what yeah. was going on on the other channel. Yeah. And I think this the subtleties here is one, fascinating, and two... A little, bit more, a little bit more clever and classy. Yeah, a, a little bit more clever and kind of like a bit more underhanded opposed to just out outright going and you know revealing winners of um matches that had happened on raw and stuff yeah like yeah the tape shows on that it was interesting yeah. genesis of all that yeah very interesting next we had chris benoit versus the pitbull uh, uh he was called sergeant craig pitman i think sergeant craig that. pitman uh he craig was... pitman craig i thought it was greg pitman no no sergeant craig pitman oh who um not not somebody i knew a great deal about to be perfectly honest but i did my research Anyway, did you do yours? I did a bit of research, but why I think I thought he was called Greg is the way that Americans... <laughs> Ameri- you've got you've got a load of info for some wrestler called Greg Pittman. No, I knew he was called. I knew it was Sergeant, you know, Greg yeah. or Craig Pittman. What the reason I think I thought it was Greg and not Craig is because of the weird way that Americans say Craig. Craig, I hate that. Yeah. Craig, they all say Craig, don't Craig. they? Craig. So Craig. yeah, come maybe, on. Maybe I thought it was Greg because of the commentary. You just just you thought he was from Friday, the film Friday. Yeah. Come on, Greg. <laughs> you all know that film. It's a great film. It's a good film. You. Tell us all about Greg Pittman then. Greg Pittman, uh, known as the Pitbull or Sergeant Pittman. Mm-hmm. And he was with Teddy Long here. That's the extent of your research. Did you? I'm assuming you watched how long this match was. I didn't think it was that much, that much note. Um, well, I wanted to know who, who Sergeant Greg Pittman was um, because... I knew I'd seen him somewhere before, and it was interested. So legit, Marine was a was a, mar- a Marine. Yeah, you yeah, saw yeah. him in the Marines. What <laughs> did you see him in the Marines? 
I in my research I found out that he was a marine. What? What? You don't think he looked like a marine? Yes, he did. But uh, no, I'm anyway. I digress. Go on. Uh, he fought MMA. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he had a two and two record. He fought in in the uh, in the in the mid nineties um, against some big names. He fought like Hicks and Gracie and stuff. And then he, he most recently fought in in twenty twelve at age fifty three. So he fought MMA at age fifty three and won. Jesus Christ! So yeah, a bit bit of a beast, clearly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I found that interesting, and he, and he fought obviously Chris Benoit, another beast, but not a beast here though. It was Teddy Long threw in the towel, or got in the, technically threw in the towel, got in the ring, while Chris Benoit's got him in the crossface, and yeah. Teddy Long saying "Call it off, call it off." Yeah, um, yeah. A bit bizarre. What I found more bizarre about this was Teddy Long was doing that, and the ref didn't do it straight away. Like the ref looked quite confused as to what's going on. So I don't know if Teddy Long got the word like you know you need to end the match now. I don't know why the ref wouldn't have got that word as well, but it just yeah. Maybe I'm reading into it a little bit too much, but it took ages from Teddy Long being throwing in there, the towel in, yeah, throwing the towel in to them actually ending the match and ringing the bell. Mm. And the whole time, like Craig Pittman's like got his thumb up, pointing his thumb, saying "I'm all right." Oh, I missed that. I missed that. And it's just it's I like just, stuff like that. I missed that. It's just strange. He's got his thumb up, saying like "I'm all right. I'm fine." Like looks really quite far from tapping out, and uh, yeah, a bit bizarre. Hmm, but, you know, probably the mo- not the most bizarre thing to ever happen in WCW. <laughs> <laughs> but I found this bit a little bit, a little interesting. bit interesting. Interesting. After that, we have Arn and- Anderson, Double A versus Sting. Yeah. Um, pretty good match. Standard. If you've seen one Arn Anderson versus Sting match, you know you've seen most of them. Mm-hmm. Standard match for them. Pretty good. You got um, Arn Anderson working heel. Sting fighting from underneath, doing some big drop kicks and things like that. Arn Anderson doing heelish things such as when he's got Sting in an abdominal, abdominal stretch he's using the rope for, rope for leverage which I really enjoy seeing we've seen lots of that just over two shows leverage on the ropes you know <laughs> refs can't see it no no no. Apparently yeah he not. just like yeah he just during the abdominal stretch he's just hanging onto that top rope yeah isn't he which we all know in a real fight would do a hell of a lot of difference it would do it would make all the difference <laughs> and uh what happens halfway through Halfway through, we've got the um, limo. a black limo shows up outside, Ooh. which they mention but don't show for ages. So I'm assuming they were trying to get the crane shot of it. Um, yeah. they, they mention it's pulled up and who's inside of it. And then here comes Hall it's and those Nash. damn outsiders. The outsiders, Hall and Nash. Uh, they come in. There's a schmars outside. Arn Anderson and Sting look like they're going to fight together at one point. Mm-hmm. But then Arn Anderson turns on Sting. Goes to give him a DDT. I, you, the camera angle doesn't show this very well, but I spotted it in the background. Goes to give him a DDT. Sting somehow reverses it. Macho Man's out at this point as well, and there's a whole thing going outside. Yeah. And then Sting Sting w- wins with a Scorpion Deathlock. Yeah, but like everybody starts coming out from um, out of nowhere, don't they? Yeah. Well, everyone starts ganging up and congregating, and um, and then then there's the Sting, oh, sorry the Sting promo prior to that, isn't there? Sting cuts a promo at the, after the match. It's over, doesn't he? Yes, he does. He's, he cuts a promo about the whole thing because Hall and Nash get out of there after then. Yeah. Um, condemning Hogan, saying about you know the usual stick that's been going on. All the people that believed him and um, says heck instead of hell. You know they are at Disney. <laughs> <laughs> um, tells him to stick it. You stick it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can stick it. Yeah. Stick it, stick it. Where, also, where, where might they stick it, Sting? Yeah, where are they going to stick it, Sting? You dirty bastard. Yeah. Um, Macho Man then gets on the mic, and this is the first time that 
Hulk Hogan is called Hollywood Hogan. Yes. And it's Macho Man that says it. So I'm interested to know whether they were going with that name or Macho Man said it. And then they were like, oh, Hollywood Hulk Hogan. And that it's, it's something that has was sort of planted earlier. Uh, Bash at the Beach. It had been mentioned once or twice before, but this is the first time he he called him, actually referred to him as Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Like They constantly mentioned that he would be... Um, out in Hollywood filming uh, Thunder in Paradise, which... Uh, have you ever watched Thunder in Paradise before? A uh, long time ago. Yeah, it's very much like Baywatch, but starring Hulk Hogan. Jesus. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've seen it a long time ago, though. A long time ago. Probably sometime around 96 or 97. Yeah, yeah. Um, outsiders have an interview after this. They're back by the limo outside. Mm-hmm. Scott Hall's wearing double denim. No shirt. Cause and a bum bag, obviously. No, Nash has got the bum bag on. Oh, oh fanny so. pack to you Americans out there. Why, right, here's something that I thought of. Why is it called a bum bag or a fanny pack? Fanny fanny, fanny means arse, as in bum, yeah? Yeah. Why is it called a bum bag? It's not on your bum, it's on your cock. It's on your cock, it's on your stomach. Groin. It's on your groin. The bag, yeah. the bag itself sits over your groin. Over C- your... Yeah, I suppose. Over your hips. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, at the front, and it sits in front of your groin. I don't know. Did you do research into this? Because I have no idea it what the answer be, is. Well, you've seen bum bags before. Yeah. Yeah, they fasten at the back. I've and they, s- we don't. You don't need to explain what a bum bag or a fanny pack is. I'm wondering what you're They should at. be called groin bags. Groin bags? <laughs> yeah. It's a much more appealing That name. sounds like a colostomy bag-like, but like I, don't, I think bum bag's a stupid name. It is. Aside the stupid name... This goes back to my point I made at the beginning of the show of the crowd. The crowd, who are definitely not wrestling fans, are leaving the show. This is the end of the show, behind the interview going on. Mm-hmm. They've all got, like, Mickey Mouse balloons and Mickey Mouse bags, and it's a load of kids and families not wear- wearing wrestling gear. Are just sort of walking past this interview that's going on with two of the biggest stars mm-hmm. in the company mm-hmm. and just sort of giving side, like, huh. Eyes and walking, <laughs> and walking on, just looking, go like, oh yeah, what's going on there? So, <laughs> if that was a real wrestling show, yeah, there's no way that they'd be like allowed anywhere near the wrestlers. There's no way that they'd be that that interview, if they'd put it there, would there'd be fans everywhere. It would be overcrowded, but they're just sort of walking by, not even half interested at the fact that the two biggest stars in the company, who've just been in the biggest angle of the company to that time, are sat there on a limo giving an interview. And they're just like, oh, yeah. That's true. That's true. I mean, if that was old school wrestling, not at Disney-like, people would be, like, throwing stuff at him and trying to stab him. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, for that kind of heat in old uh, NWA territory type stuff, people got stabbed up. Yeah. So it's like, you know, and I'm not saying that they should have got stabbed up by any means, <laughs> but a little bit more passion from this supposed wrestling crowd would have been... You know, interesting. There was a few. There was a smattering of wrestling fans actually. Still it in the was back mainly watching, families, but it was mainly families walking past with all their Disney bags, going like, "Well, that was a waste of two hours." <laughs> yeah. um, I liked it. So interesting. So that's the end of the show, um, the Nitro show, anyway, not yeah. our podcast show. Um, takeaways: What do you think of this run? Because this is the first Nitro we've seen. We obviously saw a big pay per view on the last podcast. This is the first Nitro we've seen. What do you think of it? Well. Like I, said, I actually liked the way it looked on, on television, but I don't know. I did like the way it looked on television. You clearly didn't. I liked it that it was outside. You liked that it was outside. I liked that it was outside. Did you think that made it look small time or? I don't think it looked 
necessarily small time. I just, I found my eyes gazing to the crowd who were like often up and wandering about, kind right. of weirdly distracting. Right, you know, so I, I should you, have done you could clearly my... tell as, as as a wrestling fan that the people there weren't wrestling fans. It's like yeah, there was when we watched wrestling. Crown, it's like when we watched Crown Jewel, for example. Yeah, and there's when we watched Crown Jewel, and there's people, there's like all the like the Saudi princes just arsing around. Yeah, stood with their back to the action. So with the back to the action, like talking to the makes vaping and texting and stuff like that. And it was it was kind of that. That did that annoy you or the Crown Jewel thing? I didn't really watch it anyway because I thought it was a lot of bollocks. Like I um, watched the Greatest Royal Rumble. Yeah. Oh, uh, sorry. Afterwards. No, I meant I meant the Greatest Royal Rumble. Yeah. Sorry. Um, I watched them. I, I watched them after the fact, but not with any sort of great interest. Yeah. Um, and just the whole the fact that this Crown Jewel. Um, and Greatest Royal Rumble were both huge propaganda pieces for the Saudi government. Oh yeah, clearly. Um, wasn't something not to get too political. Wasn't something that I totally agreed with. So I was like, I kind of dismissed it as being any sort of real wrestling canon anyway. Well, this must the reason with them being at MGM Disney Studios, there must have been been some political reason for that. Like, did they have affiliation with Turner Broadcasting or what? Yeah, I don't say it would have been as political as Saudi Arabia, but it would have, <laughs> no. it would have been some sort of deal considering the the um, announcers were all wearing Disney shirts. I didn't clock that. Yeah, they're wearing polo shirts with the Mickey Mouse heads on the corner and not WCW shirts. Oh, I didn't So it's clearly that. some sort of money situation that they're in here Yeah, as to yeah. why they're there. Um, but what I did find interesting is, and we'll get this into this in the next show... Mm-hmm is in the next show, the crowd does look a lot more like a big wrestling crowd. So I wonder why this show being the night after a pay-per-view was clearly not quite a wrestling crowd and why it was made of primarily... primarily, Try saying that three times fast. Go on. It was made up mainly (laughs) of families who'd been at Disneyland. Yeah. um, Or Disney World or MGM Studios or wherever. You know, so it's... I think it's interesting to me to maybe sort of look into what sort of deal that they had there and what sort of television deals were going on between um, Ted Turner and all these other companies. And Walt Disney. <laughs> and Walt Disney. <laughs> that bastard up again. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I thought the venue itself to be quite... The venue to be fine. Mm-hmm. The crowd to be distracting. The bleachers situation was weirdly distracting. Um, but I do like the setup of where it doesn't look like your standard wrestling show. Yeah, I mean, it will look so different to, to Raw, for example. Like, yeah. Whereas at that, that time, was probably still at the Manhattan Center, Yeah, I believe. Yeah, and to be you know to be completely honest with you, the show itself, the wrestling, I found really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed... My favourite match was the first match. I thought that was the best wrestling match on there. Dean Malenko, Rey Mysterio, great yeah. title change over... Um, the little nuances to that we mentioned before with um, Eric Bischoff, you know, sort of saying we've got the wrestlers, we got the manpower, and it's a clearly directly speaking to WWF at this point about WCW. I found that all of that sort of stuff, you know, great and pretty. Where is it leading? Yeah, where's it leading? Where's it going? Who knows? We'll just have to find out. Yeah, mate. When they bring out some more. What was your favorite match on the show? Um, I would probably go with. Um, I can't go for the same one as you. That's just shit. Um, Psychosis versus uh, Eddie Guerrero. 
So the second best match on the show. The second best match on the show. Well, yeah, I didn't want to pick exactly the same one as you. I really, I really like that. There was some good stuff. There was, there was some, uh, some good stuff on there, and I like it when people uh, hit each other, hit each other hard, basically, which is kind of what happened in that match. So, um, yeah, who doesn't like a good beating? A good slobber knocker. Mm. Yeah. So anyway, we're about to wrap up here, coming towards the end of the show. This would have been the shortest podcast we've done so far. Yeah. Uh, just to keep you informed that we're no longer known as Can't Eat. No. We're not allowed to say that name anymore. No. You know, legally, name's name's banned. It's like when WWE came away from WWF and they had to blur out all the WWF logos and everything. Are you going to be going through and editing the previous six podcasts then, Scott? Yes. I shall go through and I will erase every memory of Kanti. Not really. We're going forward as the Fabulous Heel Nerds Wrestling Podcast. A play on a famous tag team. Guess which one? <laughs> Guess which one and you can win with a prize. No, you can't. We haven't got nothing to give, mate. No. But yeah, as we mentioned at the very beginning of the show, we're also now on a lot more platforms. So as well as being on the Aaron Meta Network, which is where we've been previously, you can also find us on Spotify, Radio Public, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and Anchor via the Anchor app. We will set up new social medias soon. Oh yes, we certainly will, Pasnik. The new Instagram is at Fabulous Heel Nerds. That's Instagram at Fabulous Heel Nerds. Back to the show. Right, anyway, so I think we're about time to wrap up today's show. Yeah, mate. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Next week, we will be coming at you with the following Monday Nitro that took place on the 15th of July, 1996. And we look forward to seeing you then. The Fabulous Heel Nerds Wrestling Podcast.